I think as HR leaders, one of the biggest things that we have to do is never lose sight of the people. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. A good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Ben Eubanks. I'm so glad to have you here. You know, I love meeting people who are doing great work in the space right, of talent and people in HR, not just taking care of the workforce, but also advancing the profession. And today's guest is a great example of that. I'm excited to be joined by the SVP of People Operations and Know Before, Erica Lance. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And that was a great intro. I appreciate it. You know what? I'm going to talk you up really big and then see what you can do to try to live up to that, okay? Wow, high expectations. Not, <laughs> not easing into this at all. Okay, no problem. <laughs> we're going to dive right in. Now, before we get into some of the fun stuff we're going to talk about today, why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, so I am the SVP of People Operations at Know Before. We're a company in the cybersecurity space, and I have over a thousand employees in 11 different countries. So, super exciting there. I'm having flashbacks to the time when I ran ran uh, HR for an organization we had employees in not 11 but I think we were in six at our max and that was enough to make me you know not sleep at night so bless you <laughs> bless you we're all sending our love <laughs> sending our love that way oh, it's okay. definitely um exciting that's the word I'll use it's exciting <laughs> I, say, I bet there's always something going on we'll just you know say that um, oh. absolutely absolutely especially during this time period absolutely okay so you actually just recently won an award for HR leadership, which is fun. That's how we got connected because someone was, was telling me about it. And I thought that'll be really fun to, to bring you on. So I just wanted to, to know from you, mm -hmm. again, I set you up kind of big at the beginning, any inspiration, any encouragement to share? Because right now the people listening to this are, are HR leaders in the trenches, just like you, just like I spent most of my career. And so there, any bit of inspiration, like you said, right now, kind of a tough time, oh. anything you want to share? This is what I would say. I think as HR leaders, one of the biggest things that we have to do is never lose sight of the people. I think it's easy because we get a lot of the negative situations. We get positive situations too, but we get a, we can get a ton of negative stuff and a ton of legal stuff. And sometimes we get the problem children, which are the um, minority and not the majority. And it's easy to get focused in on those. But if you step back and remember all of the amazing people who are just super happy with everything you're doing and want to be part of the team they're on and want to continue to expand, and we put all of our energy towards that instead of the other side, I think that's what makes a huge difference. And, and sometimes we can lose sight of it. I myself have in the past too. It's very easy just because of what gets loaded onto our plates. But I think if, if we hold that at our core and always remember with that little problem child that's sitting in front of you, they're one and there are hundreds, potentially thousands that are in such a better place that if you focus on that, that's what will, I think, cause you to be even better than you are as a leader. I love that. I, that reminds me of a discussion I had last year with someone. They, they told me 
we can't focus on a process at the expense of the people, right? It's got to be in support of the people. It's got to be, a, those things are, have to go together. I agree 100%. So you're in the, no before is in the security training space, right? Tell us something about cybersecurity that might surprise and we are not cybersecurity experts, and I don't know, <laughs> maybe that's your secret, you know, you wear that cape in the evenings and your superhero cape, but no for most capes, of us. they get caught in things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> but yeah, I, you know, our, our motto is we're creating the human firewall. So I think a lot of people, especially once you really start doing education in this space, don't realize that, you know, a lot of people think the hackers or the bad guys or the bad hats, just depending on what word you want to use for them, are out there trying to break into the computer and mission impossible into the server room and all this stuff. That's not what happens. What they do is they send a, usually in a very alarming email to get you to click on a link and provide information and then they walk in the door. When you hear about these data breaches like Home Depot and Target and some of the bigger ones that you hear or the ransomware, it's not because these secret agents slipped in. It's somebody sent an email and a very, an employee with not a lot of knowledge clicked it, responded and opened the door for them in some of the simplest ways. And that's why we say we're creating a human firewall because there's only so smart you can make machines and security. We have to make employees smart and making the right decisions to protect the company. And it, it takes literally every single one of us to be on our toes to not have that happen. Hmm. That I'm having some flashbacks. We used to do some, some penetration testing, right? That's that's a term that you, mm -hmm. you try to figure out if you can get in, do some do some testing with your with your people without it being dangerous or you know non fatal failures here. But let's see how savvy our people are, how responsive they are to these kind of things. And there were times where we passed and we're like, okay, breathe a sigh of relief. And times where we failed miserably because two or three people got caught like, oh, download this this random attachment from someone you don't know, and suddenly you know like, sorry, you failed. And so. I, I can remember that feeling of like, this is a, this is the people problem, like you're saying at the end of the day. And unfortunately, I think a lot of HR leaders don't, they don't, they divorce themselves from that. Well, that's, that's an IT issue. That's a security problem. That's someone else's issue. I'm in charge of this other stuff. And at the end of the day, if the people are the ones that are doing this, that are, that are, in, that are opening that, that door potentially to, to bad actors, then we need to be stepping in. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, I agree. I think one of the biggest problems I've seen throughout several aspects of my career, because I, I worked very heavy in the IT space as well, is that there's these bridges that don't seem to be built as much as they need to be between areas. And I think IT and information security and HR, it's so huge to really understand what those groups are encountering and how to work together to improve the situation. Because as HR, we're responsible for the people. And as IT, they're responsible for the security and the safety and all of that. And if we're not aligned perfectly on the best way to move forward with those things, I don't think we're doing justice for the employees because they need to have a very clear, decisive message in total and not a message from one side and a message from the other. Like you don't want to put out a training and just go, hey, you got to do the training to do the training. It goes with a message of why it's important and what is important about it and what's at stake from not understanding it. Like one of my favorite 
stories in a way to tell is, and some people don't know this, the city of Atlanta was shut down for five days besides 911 and the bus line because of a ransomware situation. The entire city government was shut down and people don't even think of the ripples that has. And it was because an email got opened and utilized, which let the bad guys in. It's that simple. It's one person. It is one chink in the armor can make all the difference. They don't have to get in from 10 different people. They have to get in from one. And it doesn't have to be a quote unquote, super important person in the organization. It doesn't have to be the CEO, or it doesn't have to be a vice president, or even a manager. It can be somebody in the mailroom. And not that they're not important. I believe all mailroom people are important. But people sometimes think, oh, they're only going to go after people who have something. Nope, they just need you to open the door. It doesn't matter who you are, open the door, and they're in. So we used to do really low tech stuff. Speak like you're talking about reaching everybody in the workforce, right? Help make mm-hmm. everybody to be aware of this. Not just someone who thinks they're a target, but anyone could could be the one. Any any user in your organization. So everybody listening, to this, stop and think about anybody. Think about the person who might not be savvy enough to understand that this is this is not a real person. Someone is sending a, a fake email or whatever else. So we used to do these security awareness like a quiz little training things you know here's a newsletter article here's a whatever else we're sending these things out as part of our communication efforts to try to make sure people understand this and um, then we do kind of a quiz like that and it was always intriguing to see you know afterwards who'd come back and say hey i didn't know that, that was a thing i didn't know that was impossible how can you send an email and it looks like it's coming from you but it's not really you and so it, it created these opportunities to have more conversations and elevate the issue instead of it being again someone else's problem someone else will figure that out or you know they'll call me if they need me to figure that out but it, it really put people sort of in charge of their own education around that and made them feel some more control and a measure of responsibility i guess no totally and that's what you want to do is you want people to understand how it affects them and and it's not just work related that's the other thing i don't think people understand like i had a friend whose grandmother got taken for five thousand dollars by what's called vishing which is a voice phishing where they called and said her granddaughter was in jail and she needed to wire this money or they you know she was going to head to prison and it was so scary to this nice little old lady she sent them five thousand dollars which cannot be gotten back. Wow. That is wild. Yeah. So, and wouldn't let her talk to the granddaughter until she paid the bail and all this other stuff. So she did what they said to do and then they disappeared. And of course, what action does she have to take? You know, she already wired the money. Yes. It's that, it's that simple. Yeah. So it's, it's a little scary. It's not a little scary. It's actually terrifying. I'm honest when you actually look, but there's a lot of things you can do to be very smart about it and sort of get your own toolkit of how to detect and prevent yourself from falling for these scams, both at work and at home. We saying that example reminded me when I was, I was actually one of the board members for a local nonprofit and we had on our contact page for any of our members. Here's our, here's our email addresses. Someone had scraped all the email addresses off and we would get emails occasionally saying, hey, it would look like it came from me as the president. Say, hey, I need the credit card number so I can buy something for the for this event. And mm-hmm. someone said, hey, this doesn't look like, you know, Ben doesn't usually misspell this stuff or it sounds like it's kind of written strange. And they send me a text message. And I'm like, no, do not respond. You know, don't touch it. Delete it. Don't even look at it. Like, stay away. But that happened on a regular basis. And eventually we had to stop putting our email addresses out there. 
And it's something as simple as that. They just need a little bit of information. They can start doing things that look legit, that look real. And like you were saying, you've got to, you've got to have some things around that. Any, any tips for us, like what to think about a couple of, you know, here's two or three things to red flags to look for or anything like that? Well, give you red flags, but the number one thing is, is this an email you were expecting? If you did not know you were getting an email from a person, then don't reply to the email. Don't look at it and either, and reach out some other methodology and go, Hey, was I supposed to be getting this email? I, you know, I, I being hyper aware, I do that. I do that in my personal life. Even if my dad's sending me some funny meme he found and it's a picture, I'm like, I'll text him. Dad, did you mean to send this to me? Because you never know what form it will take. And the other thing is when it comes to your bank credit card, any company you interact with, whatever you get in an email is going to be on their website. So don't click on the email to log in go outside, go to the website. If you get something saying your American Express is about to be shut off because your bill of $7,000 is overdue, blah, 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 click here to resolve. And you're going to want to click it because it's going to look like an American Express email. But no, go out, go to the site separately, log in, because if you owe money, it's going to say that on the site. Don't click through the links because clicking through the links they're going to give you a landing page. It's going to look exactly like American Express and you're going to enter your information and bam, you've literally just given them your credit information. And if you're not very smart about your passwords, which not everybody is, their dog and date of birth or something like that, then you've potentially given them their password to every other account that you have if you don't, are not one that uses different passwords for different accounts. You're encouraging me to take the sticker off of my I'm just kidding. I'm just, that was always our, that was always our thing is we would walk around, I would walk around with our security person and we would count the people. We wouldn't, we wouldn't say, okay, Bob and Mary and Joe, but we'd say, Hey, everybody, we actually went through today, did an audit. We found passwords for the, for these people and they'd kind of turn bright red, but we wouldn't call them out and say, Hey, this don't do it again. Because if, if again, if we had bad intentions, it would be, be game over. And it's something simple, right? We can have the most complex uh-huh. tools and firewalls and everything else. And you just set your password over there where someone can grab it and, and take over that. Exactly. I love the ones that put it under their keyboard and think it's super safe. Oh, it's, Nobody would look under your keyboard. Nobody. Double secret. <laughs> double secret right double there. Double secret. <laughs> one other thing. We're, we're, mm-hmm. I wanted you, I'm, I'm having you tell so many stories. I want, I want to tell one more really quick, just because I want people to understand the, the scope of these and how they, they, how sophisticated they can be. And mm-hmm. um, I, I always in the back of my mind, again, we're wearing our HR hats for a second. Like, I wish mm-hmm. these people would put this effort and this creativity into doing a real job because it would be so awesome. I'd love to have some of these people if they were creative and this hardworking to do, to do the right thing versus doing the wrong thing. Oh yeah, no, the power for good versus evil. I wish they would use their power for good. They'd make a huge difference in this world if they would. One of my one of my good friends who I do some work with last year, someone had sent him something on LinkedIn. He clicked it and thought it was junk and just deleted it, moved on and didn't realize it, but it had gone to his Gmail and started emailing people saying, you know, here's a here's this link, I need you to read it. Here's the business proposal, whatever the, whatever the boilerplate was. Mm-hmm. And it had to set up a filter automatically on his email. So anyone who responded back saying, Hey, is this, is this really you or is this spam? It would delete it immediately. So no one ever, he never saw the responses coming back and didn't know that this was going on for a couple of days. And so again, things are, things can happen even through your email, everything else. 
without you knowing it. So it's so, so careful. That first line of defense, like Eric was saying no. earlier, is so critical. It, it is. It's not Nigerian princes waiting to give you millions of dollars, which is what I think people think of hackers or badly worded emails. It's they're they're not they look like regular emails. They they look like you just won a free dozen donuts from Dunkin Donuts because you're you know, it's employee appreciation day. Click done. <laughs> I'm suddenly hungry for a donut now that you said that. If it was Krispy Kremes, I may be tempted to click on that link. Tempted <laughs> to click on that link. <laughs> Scam or not, I'm going to check it out. I've got to yes. check it out. Maybe so, worth it. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, all, goodness. One of the things I want to ask you is you said a minute ago, you, you've had this wandering career, we'll just say, right? You've been like CIO, you've, you've been on the IT side, you've been now as a, as a people leader. Is there something, to talk for a second, like what is the perspective of someone who's not in HR? What do they wish we knew? What do they wish we would do? How do they wish we would approach them? Could you talk a little bit earlier about how HR can, can take this a little more seriously, but also talk about like, is the IT leader secretly wishing we would come to them and, and offer to help or offer to support or work with them to find the right training for this. I, I just don't know what those insights are. And because you've kind of straddled both those lines, I'd love for you to, to give us an insight into what that mindset looks like. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is in HR, what is right is not always what is correct. And training managers, leadership, that case. And it's, it's a very hard and large pill to swallow that what they think the right thing to do is not always the correct thing to do when it comes to people. But if you, if you don't educate people, because we inherently have all this knowledge on how things work and what you're supposed to do. And it's frustrating if when you see managers or executives or anyone not executing that way and you go, you know, what the heck is wrong with you? What are you doing? And it's because they don't see the same way we see things. And one of the things that I'm really proud of is creating a management training that allows the, and I do live talks with people and give real life examples of how things work to, to make it so that it's understandable by everybody, what the guidelines, and I always call them guardrails. I'm like, you don't want people to get gutter balls. So let's put in some guardrails. They can still throw the ball all over the lane. It's fine if they want to be super excited, super slow, whatever they're doing. But as long as you protect them from going past the boundaries where they're supposed to go. But I think the biggest thing is there's no training for managers anywhere. You don't go to college to learn to be a manager. There isn't that. It just doesn't exist. You can go for business. You can, you can learn to how to do all the executive widgets, but not actually manage the humans. And so what I found when I went, was into the space and I was a CIO, which is a ridiculous journey, but I found that getting with the development managers and the engineering managers and all those people that were there and going, hey, so this is how people work. These are the guidelines. Here are the rules. This is what you should do. Here's where you should not go. Like, let's talk about anything medical related because it's so easy. I use an example all the time that somebody walks in the office with their cast in an arm. By nature, the first question we want to go, oh my God, what happened? You, you cannot say that, you know? And, and why you can't say that. And I, but I, it's human nature to want to do that because that would be the right thing to do or, oh, I hope you're okay, not the correct thing to do. So 
I think that is a huge thing is getting with and creating training for managers, for leaders to understand what the guidelines are and have a very open door and an easy way to communicate to you to get questions answered. Like we use Slack and some other things. And if something comes up, they'll just shoot me a message and go, hey, I had this thing come up. This is what I think is the right thing. What, sh what should I do? Or they go, I have no idea how in the heck to handle this. What should I do? If you have that and they feel like they can trust you and it's safe and you're training them, it's, it's literally like you're giving them everything they need in their arsenal to actually be a terrific manager. And that's, that's what I found is the biggest deficit when I was over there and seeing it from that side of the, the, the coin is that it's, we assume it's there. We assume if they're in a leadership or they've been in a leadership that they know how to manage people. And most of the time, that's not the case. Fake it till you make it. They may be in the faking it phase and <laughs> yeah. can use a little bit of help and support in that. Yeah, I love exactly. that. I love fake, that. It, fake it till you get a lawsuit. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm having some some cold sweats over here some flashbacks let's oh my goodness uh, the, the first we're talking about training everything else today right even that's part of this is making the training impactful and active and not just this passive thing where they just sit there and consume it but they're they're thinking and they're engaging with the content they're engaging with whether it's manager training or it's you know, security training either one of those let's get people involved in it and thinking and the the very first HR job I ever had. We had a one week that said, Hey, you're new. We're going to start a manager training week. You go and sit with our new managers. Like, yes, this is going to be great. I want to learn some great things. It was five days, four hours a day watching videos about here's all the bad things that'll happen if you do any of these things, which was helpful to know. But when we finished, I said, When are we going to tell them what we expect them to do? Like, we just gave them a bunch of don't do's, never, you know, thou shalt not, but there was never a we expect this out of you. Here's the high standard we're going to set. Here's what we want you to be and do. And here's some encouragement around that. And so that's the thing I always, always think back to is the training we do around managers is often just, uh, here's, here's some bare minimum. You know, here's the yeah. threshold. Don't do this or bad things happen. We never give them anything else to aspire to. And I think it's a, that's a mistake. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I also think real life situations. So one of the, the fun ones, and I'll just throw that out there real quick that I always do with managers is I talk about dance space, movie dirty dancing. This is my dance space. This is your dance space, right? So I talk about that when I'm talking about coming in close to employees and where's the areas where you should stand like and how to get people's attention by instead maybe putting a paper in front of their computer screen for a quick second instead of tapping them on the shoulder or whatever, right? There are things. So I made a joke. I'm like, this is my dance space. This is your dance space. And like, this this is how you do it and they remember that because I'm making a joke about dirty dancing right and or the hula hoop rule or something like that I think a lot of times training and this is one thing that we work on a lot at no before too training can be so boring like if it's boring you're not engaging and you're not learning anything versus if somebody like people who repeat lines for movies and stuff when they're super well known they made an impact so this one little nugget from the movie made an impact so you have to put training in a way that has those little nuggets too that they remember it so when they're walking up to an employee my managers go dance space like that's in their head they they remember the dance space rule and why you don't do that well 
I think that we as HR leaders have to remember that there are a bunch of rules, but we better make it fun and we better make it stuff that they'll easily remember. It's kind of like anytime I see a harassment video that looks like it's got a terribly creepy dude from the 80s hiding in a shadow, luring at a desk, I'm like, that is not how harassment happens. Like that is not the form it takes. All of us can be aware of some creeper standing in the shadows glaring at us. That one's easy, right? It's all the other ways that it takes place. And I go, that's, that's not how it works. So let's train people on how it works, right? Where the lines are, where do you put the guardrails in? And this is where it is and make it so it's impactful and memorable. If I'm putting on my nerd hat, that's called, I think, transfer of training, right? The more closely we can mimic the actual mm -hmm. experience, what's, what's going to happen in real life, the more likely that training will stick. The more, the more separate and unique and different it is from what it actually looks like in practice, harder it is for someone to actually take the things that you're teaching them and apply them in real life. So scenarios, examples, stories. And the only quote I could come up with for you was nobody puts Erica in a corner. Nobody for, puts Erica in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> so gosh, this has been so much fun. What's the best way for someone to, to learn more, connect with you, learn more about No Before and the work that you and the team are up, up to up there? Well, you can always reach out on knowbefore.com, K-N-O-W-B-E, the number four, because you want to know before you do something wrong. It's very clever. And knowbefore.com, we have a great uh, blog. You can also follow us at hashtag KB4people, and we post a lot about what we're doing in our people ops. I'm on LinkedIn, Eric Lance, E-R-I-K-A-L-A-N-C-E. -E. You guys are more than welcome to reach out to me. I love helping people. I love mentoring people. So if anybody ever has a question or guidance or wants a funny story, I would love to absolutely assist with that. And those are the main ways that you can find me because, yes, those are the main ways you can Perfect. find me. I don't know where my thought just went right there. I was stuck on the dirty dancing thing for a second. <laughs> You're trying to come up with one more thing. One more thing. I, I can come up with something super witty, but you don't, you know. Got I got Swayzeed over there. I got Swayzeed. I, you know, and. I, th I think that every HR person has so much of an impact on people that they don't realize. And if I had to leave one last nugget, it's remember the empathy part. Remember putting yourself in the person you're talking to shoes. And remember that the little things that you do as HR make an impact on every worker's life and the amount of time they're spending at work. So when you go to do an action, keep that in mind. Well, that's a great way to, to sign off. Thank you again, Erica, for joining me. This has been a ton of fun. I haven't laughed this much, I don't think, in an episode in a while. And I really, <laughs> that's, that is awesome. That's a testament to you, a testament to the, to the stories you have to tell. It was really wonderful. It. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. To everybody else, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of We're Only Human. I am Ben Eubanks, your host. Stay sharp out there on the security stuff, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com. 